The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. If you are a woman in your 40s, don't worry about a mammogram. At least that's what the Canadian research has been saying since the 1980s. Well, Dr. Paula Gordon, a renowned radiology researcher and clinical professor at UBC, says the research is wrong. In a commentary paper that was published in the Journal of Medicine Screening, Gordon and colleagues point out the Canadian National Breast Screening Study classified women incorrectly. Gordon says two trial groups were created, one group where women were given a mammogram and the other not. The intent was to determine if a mammogram in women under 40 would reduce the likelihood of death. So here's the problem, according to Gordon. All of the women had a breast exam before the program started. And to complicate matters, the women with existing breast lumps were placed in the study group that would receive a mammogram. The result was that the group with the mammograms saw a higher mortality rate. The women were supposed to be randomly selected, but they weren't and the outcome was a disproportionate death rate, and that diminished the apparent value of a mammogram. Those results led many provincial governments to not fund or recommend mammograms for women under 50. I invited Dr. Paula Gordon to join me for a conversation that matters about providing women with the best possible information about their health. Paula, welcome. Thank you. It's kind of shocking to hear this. Uh, that we had a study that was skewed and it became the foundation of healthcare policy around women's health. When you started to dig into this, were you shocked by what you learned? No, in fact, uh, from the very first uh, paper that that group published, which came out in 1992, it was clear that something was wrong because if women had been randomly assigned to either have a mammogram or not, there should have been roughly the same number of women with cancer in the two arms of the study. In fact, in that first publication, they showed that there were 24 women with advanced cancer, and they defined advanced cancer as cancer in the breast and at least four lymph nodes in the armpit that showed spread of cancer. So that's that's really something. It must be pretty advanced to be able to tell that without going to the mammogram stage. Oh, well this, no, this was beyond the mammogram stage. Okay. But this was, but the women had been diagnosed, there were 24 of them. 19 of them were in the mammogram arm and only five in the control arm. So that imbalance got everybody suspicious even in 1992. And they showed that that was a statistically significant difference and that the likelihood of that happening just by chance was 0.003%. So something screwy was going on. And that difference between the two arms perpetuated throughout the study. It was only in the last couple of years, so everybody knew there was something wrong and it was probable that this compromise of the randomization process had occurred. And when you think of it, think of the nurses who were doing those breast exams. They were supposed to know that they could feel lumps in that woman's breast or even in her armpit and let her go in the control group, it put them in an untenable position ethically. 
they sh they sh the, the breast exam shouldn't have been done until the women were already assigned to the groups if they wanted to do breast exams. And so by the end of the trial, the principal investigators, the main authors, kept denying that there were any problems with the assignment. And a couple of years ago, a colleague of mine, thanks to the pandemic, was giving a Zoom lecture. He's from Boston, Mass General. He was giving a lecture to a Canadian group that included radiologists and technologists, and he talked about the Canadian trials and what the suspicions were. And afterward, he got an email from one of the participants in that webinar, and she said, I was a technologist in one of the Toronto sites of that study, and I can attest that every day there were women moved from the no mammogram arm to the mammogram arm. Why would they do that? Well, because the nurses could feel a lump and they wanted the woman to have a mammogram and have her cancer diagnosed. Would, why? Because they intuitively knew that having that mammogram would give them appropriate information? Well, a better, better chances than not having a mammogram. Don't forget, these women not only had lumps in their breasts, but many of them had lumps in their armpit, which implies that it's a cancer that has already spread. It's hard to understand why somebody would do that knowing that they were part of a research group that was to try and figure out that what the, the actual value of a mammogram would be to women who, you know, at any stage in their health could benefit from having accurate information. I'm sure that they did it with the best of intentions uh, for the, to get care for that woman and had no idea that the repercussions would lead to the current guidelines which deny good care to thousands of women, not just in Canada, but because that study, which was done in the early 80s, was the one of all the other studies that were done. And by the way, though Canadian, there were two studies, one for women in the 40s, one in the women in the 50s. They were the only two trials of mammography that did not show reduced deaths from breast cancer. And of course, now you know why. But, um, those because they were th that study w for women in the 40s was the largest number of women in the 40s it's had influence all over the world and many other countries don't start till 50 now it's years later we've got loads of data that show that you save the most lives by starting at age 40 the problem is in Canada there's a panel called the Canadian Task Force on Preventive Healthcare who've determined, they've just decided, there's no breast experts on it, they've decided they're only going to look at those old trials done from the 60s to the 80s because those were the randomized trials, except now we know the Canadian trial wasn't random. i got to get you to hang on for a second yeah. while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. If we know that, why is there not um, a greater effort to re-examine those results and look at ways of correcting them? Because of the bravery of that technologist who came forth, that led to the publication you spoke of in the Journal of Medical Screening. There are other peer-reviewed papers now uh, going into greater detail, not just about that particular flaw. There were many other flaws in the Canadian studies. And hopefully at the end of the day, they will be retracted from the literature. But until that happens, if you've got a panel like the Canadian Task Force with no breast cancer experts on it who are only willing to look at randomized trials, the newer data, which shows the benefits of screening in the 40s, uh, doesn't get looked at.
Happily in Canada, each province does its own thing. Happily, well, happily if you live in one of the four provinces that does screen in the 40s. But it's given us a natural experiment. And in the last couple of months, colleagues from the University of Ottawa worked with Statistics Canada, and they compared the provinces that do screen in the 40s with the ones that don't start till 50. And lo and behold, as you'd expect, women in the provinces that don't screen until 50, their women are having more advanced cancers than the provinces that do screen in the 40s, not just to women in the 40s, but even in the 50s. So it shows the importance, the, the benefit of screening in the 40s overlaps into the next decade. You've been talking about this for a while. Has there been any response to say, you're right, we need to redress this? Well, because the uh, trialists are respected members of the epidemiology community, it's tough. We have um, initiated an investigation at the University of Toronto, which is the home institution of the principal investigators. And hopefully they will agree that this was a major protocol deviation that occurred and that the studies are invalid and they've got to be retracted. The journals, are, we've been in touch with the journals, the journals are waiting to hear what the University of Toronto investigation shows. In the meantime, other organizations, so the Canadian Task Force says, don't screen till the 50s. Unfortunately, there are other organizations that endorse the task force guidelines, like the Canadian Cancer Society. You'd think, you know, their mission is to minimize deaths and suffering from cancer, and they know these concerns, but they haven't yet withdrawn their endorsement. The uh, Canadian Nurse Practitioners Association I've given lectures to the nurse practitioners groups in a couple of provinces. They get it. They're horrified. I'm saying to them, please tell your national body to withdraw their endorsement. But these things are very slow. There's another organization called Choosing Wisely, which is, um, they give advice that is fed to the GPs across the country. It's like their mission is to reduce screening. Why? I don't understand okay, so why that would even be uh, a suggestion. Because whenever you do a test, there are pros and cons or risks and benefits. And the task force and these other organizations say that when you do screening, the benefits are outweighed by the harms. Well, the benefits, they're understating the benefits because they're averaging in the Canadian trial results with all the other trials that did show uh, fewer deaths and they're saying what are the harms well the harm they're most concerned about is that if, if you go for a test and you get called back for more tests we call that a recall they're calling it a false positive now to most people when you say false positive it means you were told you had cancer but you didn't that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a woman there's something on your mammogram maybe it's nothing come back we're going to sort it out they're saying that when we call a woman back that creates anxiety. Of course it creates anxiety, but 95% of those women are told that they don't have cancer. And you know what happens? That anxiety goes away and it's been shown to not have any long-term effects. But that's the reason, the main reason, they, the main reason they list as a harm to not do screening. They say, well, you're only leading to a 15 to 20% mortality reduction and look at all the women you're scaring for nothing. 
Well, in fact, the, uh, the bigger Canadian study, the, the one we're proud of, was called the Pan-Canadian study. It showed that women in the 40s are 44% less likely to die of breast cancer if they have mammograms than if they don't. This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. You remind me of a, a story that I was introduced to of a woman who was in her 40s. She went, nah, 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 I don't need to have a mammogram. Her daughter, interestingly enough, was encouraging her to do so. She went in believing that she would just be given a clean bill of health. No. Because she had that mammogram, they quickly identified that she was in the advanced stage of cancer, mm -hmm. and that if they didn't act now, she wouldn't survive. And she was fortunate. And she goes, it was that mammogram that saved her life. Even the Canadian <laughs> Cancer Society data shows that it's really important to detect cancer early, and detecting it in the later stages isn't great. We know that if we detect it at stage zero or one, the five-year survival is, is virtually 100%. That means 100% of women who are diagnosed at that stage are going to be alive in five years. If you diagnosed uh, breast cancer at stage four, it's only 22%. So early detection is really important. Now, if you're diagnosed at stage four, maybe you'll be alive at, at 10 or 20 years. But you've got to go through heavy-duty surgery and chemotherapy and all the advanced stuff we've got now. Got an early cancer, you don't need a mastectomy, you can have a lumpectomy. Lots of women now can avoid chemotherapy and they can have much less aggressive treatment. So it's not just saving lives, yes, of course that's important, but quality of life for the women who are diagnosed with breast cancer is a big deal. Okay, which provinces are. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you where to look it up because I can't keep it all straight in my head. Um, there is a website called mybreastscreening.ca and it has everything about each individual province. Not only that, this is really important. Women need to know that even the Canadian task force that said you don't need to be screened till age 50, they said it's an individual woman's choice whether she has a mammogram. And women are supposed to be able to go to their family doctor and if they get a requisition they can have a mammogram. The problem is a lot of family doctors didn't read that far into the paper that got published. And even if a woman asks for a mammogram, she's often denied. So mm -hmm. that, that website, mybreastscreening.ca, it even has hints on how to advocate your, for yourself with your family doctor, what you can bring up in the discussion to get that requisition. And then there are, as, there are four provinces that allow women to start at 40. There's another two where women need a requisition for the first time, but then after that they can uh, go uh, without a doctor's requisition. Here's a bit of a problem in BC though, which is, I think it might be unique. Women are allowed to self-refer. They don't need a requisition, but they have to give the name of a family doctor or a nurse practitioner. Well, you know what's going on with What well, if you people. don't have one? Then you can't have a screening mammogram. So that's something that has to be addressed. The only time, that, you know, the reason they do that is so that people won't fall through the cracks. But the fact is nowadays, if somebody has an abnormal screening mammogram, we call them in without a doctor's requisition. We do all the tests. 
if some of those women turn out to have cancer, the system should be able to find them a surgeon and an oncologist and so on. We call them orphaned patients. Mm -hmm. So this is, a, this is an issue because all those women who don't have family doctors or nurse practitioners aren't able to access screening. Okay, so we have the, the results of this you know, research that we've done 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying, okay, fine, it's out there. Let me speak to women directly. And your message to them is, don't pay attention to that. Do everything you can to Advocate get a, a mammogram early. Start at 40. Yeah. And if you are in a province that won't let you self-refer at 40, go to your family doctor and get a requisition. You know, British Columbia was the first province to tell women their breast density. That's a whole other topic. But the only reason that happened is because the women advocated. The doctors have been talking about this for decades. We get ignored. Mm -hmm. If women want to change the system, they can't wait for somebody else to do it. Um, there's actually um, a new... Uh, pro, I don't know what, what to call it, a program. It's like a petition, but it's not a petition on the Dense Breasts Canada website where they're addressing this. Women need to be able to have optimal screening. And all you have to do is click on the link. You fill in your name, your email, and your postal code. And it'll send a letter for you to your MP and to the Federal Minister of Health saying this Canadian task force has to be fixed. Hmm. So another website, so there's mybreastscreening.ca, that's find out what's going on in your province and learn how to advocate for yourself. And now you can click on this link on the Dense Breasts Canada website and send letters and advocate them. The more letters, the better. They have to see that women are upset. If women don't complain, they think nothing's wrong. Third and final break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. This is at the heart of so much of what is difficult to change. As Canadians, we go, oh, okay, you've told me that that's the way it is, so therefore that's the way it is. But you're saying, no, stand up, be heard, and don't back down. Yes. It's fundamental to getting the health care that we require. Yeah, well, Canadians figure, oh, if it was a, an important test, they would be offering it to me. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So how do we get this message to more people and start to see a change that will be beneficial to, beneficial to women's health? If everybody who sees this podcast, listens to the podcast, sees the video, goes to those two websites, and sends the letters and learns how to advocate for themselves, we'll see more women diagnosed early. What, just because we have a couple of extra minutes here, what exactly is the information that is gathered from a mammogram that can give uh, a woman and her healthcare provider the kind of information they can use to make informed next steps? Really good question. The information that should be on every mammogram, and we're not there yet, is what is your breast density? We divide it into four categories, A, B, C, D. When we talk about dense breasts, we talk about the proportion of breast tissue to fat. And some women have zero breast tissue at some stage of their life, and they're all fat. 
Other women have hardly any fat and they're all dense tissue. And the reason that's important is dense tissue is white on a mammogram and so are lumps. Cancers, cysts, all lumps in effect are white. If you've got an all white breast, it's like looking for a snowball in a snowstorm. We won't see your cancer. And in mm -hmm. fact, mammograms miss 40%, up to 40% of cancers in dense breasts. That's why in British Columbia, women are told A, B, C, or D, C and D are dense, and they should have not just a mammogram, but an ultrasound. Mm, and British okay. Columbia started funding those ultrasounds in 2019. It's covered by MSP. Now, there are not enough places doing them, so we need to address that. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But women from the mammogram, you ask, what's the information? You want to know what's your breast density? And is, are, are there any findings that need additional tests? Are we in a position to be able to respond quickly when a woman, when we diagnose a woman who has breast cancer that can now put significant risk to her life? So the, there are uh, unreasonable weights for everything. Um, and that's across the board in medicine. So another reason to, to go get tested early. Go get tested, yeah. yeah. You're gonna, uh, and if you get called back, you might have to wait a couple of weeks till they have the additional mammogram. You might have to wait another couple of weeks after that to have the ultrasound and to decide whether a biopsy is necessary. And right now, in the lower mainland, we have unreasonable waits for biopsies. But most cancers, and this is, you know, it's terrible waiting and wondering, do I have cancer and is this weight giving it time to spread? The majority of women who have breast cancer, another couple of months waiting doesn't make a difference. But some cancers are high grade and we want to get to those as early as possible because they move fast. And even if it's if something that turns out to be benign, it's still awful waiting and wondering, the psychological. And if you wait until the point where you go, oh, I think something's wrong, you've now reduced the options that you have available yes, to yes. you, and time becomes very important. Screening mammograms are for women with no problems. <laughs> Don't wait till you think there's something wrong. And so what's the likelihood then of, of a woman being under 40 and developing breast cancer because should women under 40 also if they suspect that they may be at risk be insisting on a mammogram so if a woman is under 40 and she has a lump or that kind of issue she goes to her doctor and gets investigated if a woman's under 30 and she has a very strong his family history of breast cancer her mother had breast cancer or her sisters have had breast cancer we would start doing mammograms earlier on her uh, but generally the rule we follow is we start screening her 10 years younger than the youngest of her first degree relatives. So if mom had breast cancer at 40, we'll start at her at 30, but we don't go below 30. Um, but if women have symptoms like pain, pain is actually normal and common. It's hardly ever associated with cancer. You don't necessarily need to do um, any testing. On the other hand, there's something that women can do, and that's breast self-exam. Mm -hmm. Learn what your normal feels like, and no two women are the same. So women who do breast self-exams, even periodically, you don't have to do it um, you know, obsessively every month, but if you get to know what your normal feels like and you check yourself from time to time, if you ever notice a change, like a lump or an area that feels thickened, um, yeah, go to the doctor and get it investigated. But women under 40 do get breast cancer. It's much less common, but it happens. 
unfortunately, you know, that for a screening test to make sense, the disease you're looking for has to be common enough in the population you're going to screen, and the test has to be sensitive enough at finding it, and there has to be treatment. And breast cancers under the age of 30 um, are uncommon enough that we can't justify screening all women mm -hmm. starting at 30, let's say. Also, although radiation from a mammogram is negligible in a woman in her 40s, it gets more significant in younger women. So it's the balance of when is breast cancer going to increase in incidence and when is the radiation risk dropping. Yeah, that 40-year mark is really the dividing line, isn't it? It's also, mm -hmm. the, it's also the time that we have the most data about. All those randomized trials I we spoke about at the beginning, they were generally from 40 to 64 or 40 to 69 or 40 to 74. And so that's why we know screening mammograms save lives starting at 40. Well, thanks for coming in and sharing this information. And I hope that it uh, motivates as many women as possible to say, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go find out. Yeah.